Well, good morning. This morning we're reading from God's Word, Matthew chapter 10, verses 26 to 39. So do not be afraid for them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. The story of Jim Elliott. January 6, 1956. Jim and his team were on a missionary journey in Ecuador to reach the Huarani people. While they were there, they had a friendly encounter with three people, two women and a man. The man's name was Nain Kiwi. After this when Nain Kiwi and the women returned to their village, they lied about the missionary's intent. Jim and his team would continue to pray for the Huarani people that they would come to know Jesus as their saviour. On January 8, 1956, the missionaries decided to go and see if the Huarani people would invite them to their village. They arrived at their meeting place and were going to hold a worship service on the beach. After some time, there was some movement in the trees. Birds flew all around. A large group was making their way towards the plane and to Jim's team. Jim radioed back to home base to say that he would radio again at 4.30 p.m. to let them know how it went. Jim's team saw two women approach from where the movement was. Jim and Pete moved towards them, wading through the river to reach them. A terrifying cry was heard from behind. When they turned, they saw a group of Huarani warriors with their spears raised ready to throw. Jim went to draw his gun. Jim knew that he couldn't use it, since they swore that they would not kill anyone who did not know Jesus. The Huarani people threw their spears. 
Hours passed and they never called. It began to get dark. Jim's home base sent a search and rescue team to their last known location. When they arrived, they found the missionary's plane stripped of everything and the wings torn. Jim's team was later found. Each of the team members had been speared to death. One of their bodies had washed away down the riverbank, impaled with spears in his back. The death of Jim and his fellow missionaries was brutal and tragic, however it was not entirely unanticipated. Many observing Jim's fruitful youth ministry at home warned him not to go to the Huarani people, who were known to be hostile and dangerous to outsiders. Jim and his peers knew the danger, yet they were compelled to go because of a greater conviction, as disciples of Jesus they believed true life was found only in him and his message needed to be shared. Eliot is remembered to have said to his dissuaders, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. What does it mean to be alive? We've just heard the story of Jim Elliot and his friends, and they are now dead. And yet, they are more alive right now than they have ever been, because they are with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, they're lost for us, and lost to their family, but secure for all eternity in the fullness of life with Jesus in heaven and will be in the new creation. And death is one of the many concrete reminders of what it means to be in this physical world. Wars. The homeless refugees and their plight. The changes to our environment. Uh, the impact of COVID over the last two years and ongoing sickness. All these things remind us that we're rooted in an earthly reality. But then on the other hand, life, and the beaches, and the mountains, and loving family relationships and friendships and health and well-being. But both the good and the bad, as we might describe them, uh, tend to keep us rooted in this life experience here and now. And my hope for us this morning as we read these words from Jesus is that we will have our eyes lifted to the eternal life in which we share and that as we get a tighter grip on that we might be able to loosen our grip on the earthly things of this experience and that's the hope for this alive series over the next few weeks that we would know the fullness of life that's on offer in Jesus Christ both now and for eternity now we, along with our weekly Bible reading, also have uh, a story this week, Jim Elliott's story. And you remember that at the end there, we were told he said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I want us to keep those words in mind as we explore together the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 10. Um, as we engage with the Word of God, we always need God's help, don't we? So that we'll think His thoughts after Him. So let me lead us in prayer. Our Father God, we thank You that You have had these promises and truths that relate to our Savior and King Jesus, preserved for us in the Bibles, which we can so easily hold in our hands. And we thank You, Father, for Your Spirit who is with us. And we pray that You would indeed 
settle us and open us to be responsive to him, not just to hear, not just to understand, but to be transformed by your spirit that we might live fearless, faithful, overflowing lives. Indeed, that we would be fools for Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, we're jumping into the Gospel of Matthew. Of course, over this series, we're sort of popping around the Bible a little bit. And I just wanted us to um, remind ourselves of who Matthew is. You know, Matthew uh, was the friend of Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus, a disciple, and he was a Jew. He was writing to Jews, but he was also a Jew who had kind of sold out because he worked for the RTO, the Roman Tax Office, And uh, he had not made himself very popular amongst his peers for that reason. And he writes at the beginning of his gospel, his biography of Jesus, for many of us, what is a very boring introduction. I know some preachers who just avoid the very beginning of Matthew because it's a genealogy. It's a family tree. But actually, I think it's wonderful. Because as we read that family, have you ever done a family tree? Has anybody done? Some of us have got quite into this. I think as we get older, we tend to get more interested. But I've noticed in our family trees, we like the heroes and we elevate them. We tend to ignore those who are kind of the dark sheep of the family. And you'd expect in the genealogy of Jesus, going from Abraham to David to Jesus, that Matthew would leave out the dodgy people, but he does exactly the opposite. In fact, Matthew highlights the outcasts, the illegitimate people, the Gentiles, And in that day and age, he specifies the women, which is not a thing that you would do then, all of whom have got pretty shady, shonky pasts. But then when we think about Matthew, that's a little surprising and yet unsurprising because he too was an outcast. In fact, he was a person, just imagine him sat at his tax booth and then Jesus walks by and he says, follow me. And Matthew dropped everything, didn't he? the person who would be ostracized with his his own community, Jesus, God's King and Messiah, invited Matthew to come and join him. Jesus is the champion of the outsider. And, And can you just imagine Matthew's heart swelling as Jesus said to him, the, the outcast, come follow me, come be one of my disciples. Matthew's at that moment come alive. And so he follows Jesus and and he lets his old life go. And in a way, I want us to connect with Matthew today and and to remember that you and I who were once outsiders, you and I who were once cut off from God, have been brought in by Jesus to be fearless, faithful, overflowing fools for Christ. And you see, Jesus doesn't ask anything of anybody that he wasn't prepared to do himself. For he came as a stranger from heaven into this world to be treated like an outcast by those whom he had made. So that's the context as we uh, look at what Jesus says here in Matthew 10. My first point is this. Jesus uh, wants us to have a fearless commitment to him as Christ. This is verses 26 to 32. Just remember again the words of Jim Elliot. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Now, yesterday I was very glad to have my Australian breakfast. You know what I mean by the Australian breakfast? It's bacon and eggs. And uh, I want to just 
refer to that because I want us to recall the difference between investment and commitment. You know how that plays out with the Australian breakfast? The chicken contributed the egg. She was involved. Now the pig, the pig was committed. And so let me ask you to consider your relationship with Jesus Christ today. Are you involved with him or are you committed to him? And do you feel fearless? Because there will come a time in life, if it's not come already, when some will scoff and scorn you for Jesus' sake. Some will even try and hold you back. Some might even lie about you. It's unlikely down here in Fig Tree, but certainly our brothers and sisters across the world face death for their commitment to Jesus Christ. And that's a fearful thing, isn't it? And fear is a powerful motivator in our lives. Fear of death, fear of sickness, fear of loss, fear of failure, a fear of being mocked. And Jesus' disciples, they had become fearless when they met him. You know, they gave up a lot, didn't they? Um, not so much Matthew, right? But, but think of the other disciples who left families and friends and their livelihoods to walk with Jesus on an uncertain path. They left all those securities, earthly securities, to follow him, to see him, and to proclaim him as king. And Jesus knew that ultimately they would give in to their fear. A time was coming, he knew, when he would be arrested and tried and crucified, and all his friends would fearfully desert him. But Jesus also knew that a day was coming where they would be emboldened and be willing to give up their lives for him because he would send his spirit into them. And that's the same spirit that you and I share today. That's how it is that we can be fearless in the face of things that everybody else would fear because we have his spirit, don't we? And Paul, when he writes to Timothy, says, we don't have a spirit of timidity, but we have a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of discipline. And so my first question for us as we look at this point about fearless commitment to Christ, what might fearless commitment look like in our lives today here at Fig Tree? What might it look like? First thing that, that Jesus says in verse 26 here is for those who would challenge you in your commitment to Christ, verse 26, simply do not fear them. Don't be afraid. Making a commitment to Jesus to be fearless is not a foolish commitment, it, but it is a radical commitment. And, and Jesus says, you know that you can be fearless for Christ because you're safe. You're safe because Jesus says, God is in control. Nothing is outside God's will. Nothing is going to ruin God's plans. Not COVID, not death. A, a disciple of Jesus can be fearless when we serve and obey our Father in heaven. And he says, verses 26 to 27, don't, don't be intimidated because at the end of the, the game, everybody's going to know who Jesus is. He will be revealed as the Son of God. He will be shown to be the King. And so verse 28, don't be beaten into silence by the threats of bullies. Don't let those who taunt or hurt you stop you. Um, I teach martial arts, so I tend to be in the business of dispensing pain. Um, I quite enjoy it. But there's a world of difference between hurting somebody and harming somebody. 
Like you have to sort of pain that brings compliance, but, but when you're hurting somebody to take control of a body part, uh, they have the opportunity to tap out before the damage is done. It's a different kind of thing. The harm comes if you go too far and you break a body part, which thankfully I haven't had to do in training. Uh, but what I'm saying is that there is the pain of hurt and there's the pain of harm. And Jesus is effectively saying to us as followers of Jesus, you don't have to worry about your body and soul. Those who try and hurt you with words or even those who would hurt your bodies, you know what? Only God is the one who can carry you through to eternity. So don't fear anyone. Fear God because he's the one who in me has preserved you from harm even though that hurt might be quite painful. Body and soul, you are secure. And he's proven it by the resurrection of Jesus. You know, he says, save your fear for God, not for those who might harm you, because God cares for you. God cares. God cares for the canaries, he says. For the birds, Verse 29 to 31. I don't know last time he went to Pet Barn, but we've got a dog now, so I'm spending too much time there. But when you go to Pet Barn, there's birds there. And the funny thing about these little birds is you can get them for 10 bucks. Like it's loose change. They're worthless, really. And yet Jesus says, God cares for the canaries. And if he cares for the canaries, how much more does he care about those made in his image? You are a million, billion times more valuable than a canary says Jesus. Every hair on your head is counted, so don't be intimidated by bullies. But in verse 33, he does give us a, a little word of warning. He says to those of us who follow Jesus not to lose our nerve. Whoever disowns me, he says, I will disown you before my Father in heaven. That's Jesus who says those words to us. Jesus, who is full of grace and truth, says, stand up for me, in a world that is turned against me, and I'll stand up for you in heaven before my Father. I don't know if any of you are familiar with uh, Monty Python, particularly uh, the story of the Holy Grail, uh, but there's a character in that movie, which is my namesake, uh, Brave Brave Sir Robin. The sad thing about Brave Brave Sir Robin is that he wasn't brave at all. He turned his tail and bravely fled. He was the one who retreated at every opportunity. And that's a good reminder for me not to retreat in the midst of battle because I serve King Jesus. And may it be for us a word to keep on fearlessly. And the way in which Jesus enables us to keep on fearlessly is because he's given us a gift. And not just his spirit, but also the gift of one another. That's why he's given us this family. My second point that we can be faithful in our communion with Christ, verses 34 to 39. Now, I don't know about you, I, I love ribs. Um, there's a bit of a theme here, isn't there? <laughs> but uh, I, I got given a smoker, which is um, really cool, because you, you can smoke ribs for a few hours and they taste delicious. And I, if you know what a smoker's like, you, you get like this jug and you put hot coals in there and you heat up the coals really hot and then you transfer the coals over to the smoker and then they all kind of bunch up and then you close the lid and that thing stays hot for four or five hours. It's incredible. And it heats up your ribs. But the thing about one of those coals is there's always one that just kind of rolls off in the midst of transfer and it, and it disappears onto the patio somewhere. And it's really hot, so you can't pick it up. Although after a few minutes, it cools off and you can. Really quickly, it just kind of burns out. And, and, and that's kind of my, my, my point for us, that Jesus made us alive in him 
and brought us together so that the fire of our passion for him will burn all the more brightly as we gather together. You felt it, didn't you, as you sang those songs? That that fire for Jesus burns all the more brightly when we are in communion with one another. Jesus' faithful union with his Father in heaven and bringing us together as his communion, and we celebrate that later on through the Lord's Supper, an expression of our familial tie with one another through Jesus, is what keeps us going. But the implication of that as a family is extended into our families of origin. Indeed, within our own families sometimes, and and you might have experienced as, as I have, there are members of our families who don't know the Lord Jesus and don't love the Lord Jesus. And that creates friction, doesn't it? And Jesus says in verse 35, don't suppose that I've come to bring peace to earth. I've come to bring a sword. See, eternal peace with Jesus to gather us into his family can sometimes be at the expense of harmony with our own earthly families. And I know it's not always that way, but I have to say that sometimes family members can be our worst enemies when we're followers of Jesus. They can make life very difficult for us. You might have had the experience of somebody in your family saying to you, why is it that you go to church on Sundays and don't spend more time with us? Or perhaps you've got family members who've said to you, why don't you come and see us more? Or or, or why do you waste all those gifts that you've got on doing things for the church and, and not investing them in other ways that they think are wise and they see us as fools? And, and I, as we think about what faithful communion looks like here for us as a family at Fig Tree, I just want us to calibrate again from the Word of God to remember who it is that we are as a family. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, the one who is mightiest over all the angelic armies the creator of the rolling spheres, ineffably sublime, whom we can call Father in heaven. This is the family that Jesus has brought us into with whom we have communion. We are the eternal family of God. And I say this with sensitivity as a man who's off this month, God willing, to go and visit our families where we have dearly beloved family members for whom we've been praying for 20 years who are far from the Lord Jesus that God would have mercy on their souls and bring them to a place where they would recognize Jesus as he is the king but I'm also going to be careful not to be drawn to their agendas when they pull us away from Jesus Because the moment that our family members start to do that, they become agents of the evil one who has been cast off forever. And very tragically, if they remain unrepentant, they will be dragged with him into hell. And we must remember that. Don't hear me wrong. We pray and hope and we love and sacrifice for our beloved ones that they might see the light of Christ through us. But we don't get drawn into the devil's agenda Isn't that right? Well, we get to these final few verses, and these ones weren't read for us, but I I do want us to um, spend just a minute or two looking at verses 40 to 42 as well. In my third and final point, that we might be overflowing 
with the compassion of Christ. You know, the year I came to Sydney, I ran the city to surf. Uh, it was, it was, I wasn't very fit. It was a big thing for me. And, uh, you know, I, if those who've done it up Heartbreak Hill, like that's in the first couple of kilometers. It's a killer. I tell you, I got to the top of that and I was gasping for water. And there's so many people by the side of the road when you're doing the city to surf. There's people playing music and there's people chanting and encouraging and clapping. But the people I appreciated most were those folks who had those little rubbish plastic cups with half a, half a cup of water. My word, that was a gift, I tell you. After Heartbreak Hill, somebody handed me one of those. Oh, it was the most refreshing draft imaginable. <laughs> it's a pathetic story, I know, but it's going to take us to verse 42 of chapter 10. Jesus says, give a cool cup of water to anyone who's thirsty. <laughs> I think what he means by that is give water and receive water. I mean, he is the living water, isn't he? People need spiritual refreshment. And Jesus says, the smallest act of or giving or receiving in my name demonstrates to others the loving concern that I have for them. Brothers and sisters, we have so much time. We have such an abundance of treasure. We have the most amazing testimony of God's grace to us. What would it take for us just to give a little of that away today to do these things in Jesus name that the effects of our investment might resonate into eternity you see Jesus overflowing compassion for us enables us as his followers to overflow with his compassion verse 40 Jesus says a welcome for you is a welcome for me every one of us is involved in his kingdom work Anyone who accepts what you do for Christ accepts Jesus Christ. And my challenge to us today is that we might in some small but significant way be overflowing with the compassion of Jesus given our circumstances. You will know that there has been an unjust invasion by a sizable nation into the land of another smaller sovereign nation. And our very own Rod Story has been over in Romania and Moldova in recent weeks visiting brothers and sisters in Christ who are serving the cause of the gospel by sharing the good news of the love of Jesus over there. But they have been absolutely overwhelmed by the presence of new refugees who have come from the Ukraine into their land with nothing but a suitcase. Actually, don't let me tell you this story. I wonder whether we might please have the video that um, Rod and Langdon have put together for us, just so that we can see a little bit of what's going on over there. Thank you. Uh, right now are a thousand and thousand and thousand refugees come through Moldavia and go in Romania and in Europe. And uh, our idea was to help uh, the churches and campuses who help refugees. We look at the Palanca. Palanca is custom service. Yeah. And um, uh, we look uh, at many, many uh, people, uh, many, many women and children. In one time, I see uh, 4,000 uh, kids and uh, women. Uh, 4,000? 4,000. 
and uh, they cry because uh, their de dead stay on the war. Yes, and they come in other country and they, they don't uh, don't know um, about this country. We help right now around 15 churches and centers and we go back tomorrow uh, with other friends of mine and we will visit other new centers and borders and uh, already they ask for help yes. and uh, we have much challenge to give a hand of help uh, for them to help refugees uh, we buy uh, for example we buy wash machine uh, uh, dry machine um, we buy um, uh, mattresses and uh, everything what they need and we um, we give uh, these things uh, for this uh, uh, church for this uh, center and they will work after uh, with these things uh, uh, long, time. long time, yes. Yes. And, uh, I'm a little bit tired, but uh, <laughs> the refugees are more tired than us. And then we need to put our energy. This is the time to help them, not next month, not yeah. next week. Exactly. This is the time. Well, there you go. And all your gift and help will be perfect and uh, helpful. God bless you and thank you so much for your partnership. Blessing. Now you'll see on screen there that we uh, have an opportunity to help. There's a QR code if uh, you want to take your phone and capture that now. You can also go to our website, bigtree.church. There's also boxes in the back uh, that are offer tree boxes. Our hope and prayer uh, as a ministry team and a parish council and as a church is that Fig Tree might raise $10,000 to assist our partners in the gospel whom we know and trust will ensure that those resources will go to those who need it in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, Rod takes the team over there to talk about opportunities for evangelism and to share the love of Jesus and meets this immediate need. It's needed and it's now. And as the Spirit moves us, may it be that we might generously respond with the overflowing compassion of Christ. This is a, a, a one-off opportunity. But these people need more than just a cup of water. <laughs> They need washing machines to have their clothes washed. They need food. These people have been turned into outcasts because they're not running the city to serve. They've got no home to go to. And the challenge for us now is how we might respond outsiders, outcasts, alive but barely living in the name of Jesus, that we might provide for the practical needs of those who've come out of Ukraine but also do it in a way that will commend the love of Christ, that they might know the hope of eternity. And so this is a reliable way in which we could do that together to bring the blessing of overflowing compassion from Jesus. I leave us to think about this. What does it mean to be fearless, faithful, and overflowing fools for Christ? We can't keep it when we go into eternity. I mean, what is it that we can keep? Gold? Well, the streets are paved with it. Friends or family? Well, we pray that the Lord will enable them to greet us in the new creation when we get there. But you see, the tighter we keep a grip on the time and the treasure and the talents and the testimonies, 
that he has given us in this life, the less likely we're going to be in investing them into the eternal future. And the more we keep our eyes on the hope that Jesus has prepared for us where we will be truly alive, the more we will release our grip on the things of this world and channel them that they might bless others to be with us with him forever. Let me, if I may, lead us in prayer. Father God, we want to thank you and praise you for the way in which a fool says in his heart that there is no God and so surrenders his fear to anything or anyone other than God. But by your grace, you have made us fools for Christ, that through faith in him, we do things differently. And so we pray that you would continue to imbue in us a fearless commitment to be disciples of Jesus, that you would give us thanksgiving for the faithful communion that we share to build a community of grace, and that you would continue to live out in us an overflowing compassion that will share our hope in Jesus for everyone and impact all eternity in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, just a little parting shot. Do you know the end of the story for Jim Elliot? Jim Elliot died, but his wife Elizabeth and his daughter Valerie, rather than turning away from the Hurani people in Ecuador because they were so grieved and embittered by what had happened, do you know what they did? They went there. And do you know what the Lord did through them? Many, many people came to Christ. Isn't that a great ending to the story? God bless you. Thanks, Shane.